Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The 0-3 Raiders getting ready to take on the division rival Denver Broncos. Uh, obviously, an important game. Um, 0-3 is really, really hard to come back from. Uh, Deshaun's had the stat, like, with 2.6% of people that have, have teams that have started 0-3 have gone on to make the playoffs. To get to 0-4, I, I, I mean, we don't even start fighting stats anymore we just kind of write you off um so really can't underestimate the importance of this game but we're going to start the show by talking really about topic number one in in las vegas right now with these raiders is what is wrong with this offense uh ted you broke it down in a story on the athletic on thursday morning dan orlovsky was on the the airwaves uh telling us how Derek Carr is ignoring Devonte adams um and and Derek kind of had his his clap back to that, that he's just following what he's supposed to do in the Josh McDaniels offense. But I mean, just overall, I mean, what what are our thoughts? What is wrong with this offense? I mean, whenever we talked about this team before the season, everything we said about their success was based on the fact that they could have they should have an elite offense. They could have a top five type offense. Bare minimum should be a top 10 offense. Um, so what's wrong with him right now? I don't think he's purposely ignoring Adams. I mean, Adams is getting the same amount of targets he did in Green Bay right now. I think there's times when he's not sure exactly when to try to force feed Adams and when to move on and look at his, his next reads. Because there are times when he locks onto Adams and misses wide open guys. And one of the examples I um, I talked about, they were in the red zone. There was a play that looked like it was designed to get Waller open on a, um, a rub read. He got wide open. He was running down the sideline with no one near him and car through to Adams for a three-yard gain. So it, it's just kind of balancing out how to share the targets and try to figure out how defense are playing him because teams have, haven't played the Raiders like they're playing the, them now. They're giving the Raiders the Kansas City Chiefs treatment. They're playing a lot of cover two. They're playing a lot of bracket coverage like they used to when um, the Chiefs had Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So this is really unfamiliar territory for Derek Carr, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, I think some quarterbacks are better at handling um, these kind of things than Carr is because they have the ability to create after when things break down. But Carr is not that type of quarterback. He has to figure out things within the pocket. You know, the growing pains are one of the reasons the Raiders are 0-3 right now. Yeah, the way Devontae explained it yesterday when he was speaking to us was, you know, he's he's pretty used to this. Like, you know, obviously getting doubled a lot isn't anything new to him, but 
in terms of the others on the offense, they haven't had to deal with that, and it's going to take some some time for them to adjust. And, and while Derek Carr, I would say he's uh, – I think we would all agree he's gotten more aggressive the last couple of years than he's been in the past, but I think he's still a, a guy that sometimes he can – focus in on making the right read to a fault sometimes and, you know, I won't say force it, but make some throws that may be a little bit dangerous. I think one play that Ted broke down and I don't, I don't think you, I think you kind of said it was 50, 50, whether you should have thrown it, but that, that red zone play where Devante was double, but he kind of got open on a fade going down the left sideline. Like, you know, that's an aggressive throw and, you know, I guess could be a dangerous throw, but it's a throw that he could theoretically make. And those are just aren't the kind of type of throws that, that Derek Carr throw, goes to that often. But with them being 0-3 and being in this this kind of do or die situation, you know, I think we, we'll see some of, some of those inhibitions go away this starting this week. And, you know, as they, I mean, they pretty much have to try to save their season here. And so something has it's been an issue so far, but I, I think at least it sounds like, you know, they're going to kind of try to flip that switch this week. I think it's a comfort issue. I think that goes with, with with Derek and also with Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams. I think it's just a key thing where you have to kind of get in sync, I think. And part of the problem may have been that first game. You know, Devontae had a lot of targets, but uh, Derek had those three interceptions. A couple of them, actually all three were underthrown. The one on the deep ball to Adams, I think, probably stuck in his mind as far as why he didn't take those kind of similar shots in the last game. I mean, he, I'm sure McDaniels didn't like the, the interception. And I just think that... Um, it's a weird deal because Derek talks about going through the progressions, doing what Josh wants exactly, and that's that's definitely part of it. But I think there is room for some freedom there, there's some room for some improvisation. So, again, it's going to take, I think, time for all three guys to kind of get together. And they're talking about, I'm sure, behind the scenes. I think Devontae's mentioned in the past, they'll go to Josh and say, hey, we like this play better than that one. They'll have input. So I know Raider fans don't want to hear that. You know, on three is not where you want to be, and this offense should be uh, a top-five offense. So... We'll see. You know, they got to get it figured out quickly, and um, we'll see this week. I'm sure Devontae will get a lot more targets this weekend, so I think that won't be an issue. It's just a matter of the quality of targets. Ideally, some are more down the field rather than all these short passes and get some big plays to, uh, you know, what's the top receiver in the NFL? Matt Collins? Also, besides Matt Collins, the top guy. I meant <laughs> besides him, also to Devontae Adams. So, yeah, the two, the two top guys in the league. I'm sorry, my bad. You know, when you look at Sunday's game, I mean, when you talk about, okay, if they're bracketing Adams and Waller, it should leave somebody else open. And I mean, it, it did leave Matt Collins open and he had a big game, um, but that's not enough. I mean, they, if they can get Hunter Renfro back, um, you know, at some point, I mean, he, he still has not practiced since that concussion. Um, we'll see. I mean, but that's kind of supposed to be the point, right? Is that they're supposed to have so many weapons that if you put too much attention on both those guys, this offense should still be good enough to be explosive. Honestly, if the Derek Carr and Waller connection has been hitting then we wouldn't be talking about this because, you know, in the first game, that first interception he threw should have been a touchdown to to Darren Waller if he threw it deep. Um, there are some connections they missed against the Cardinals, and obviously in this game, they, they missed on a bunch of throws that, that should have been caught, and if they hit any one of those throws, they might have beat the Titans. So once those two guys get doubled, another guy's going to get a one-on-one, and once they really started to hone in on Mac Hollins on the backside one-on-one, that's when the offense started moving efficiently as well. It also might help if they like run the ball, you know. I mean, they're like like thirteenth in, in yards per carry, but they're dead last last in rushing attempts per game. Like it doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense. And even like early in games, like I think they're they're thirty thirty first in first half rushing attempts. You know, deficits have been a factor in, in two out of three games. They've had to play from behind. Obviously, you aren't going to run the ball as much in those situations. But you know, at some point, your efficiency takes a hit when like 
you're passing 70% of the time, everybody knows you're passing, and you already have an offensive line that isn't that great at pass blocking or below average at pass blocking, and that just puts more pressure on them when the defense knows you're passing. And so I think it would also help the efficiency of the pass game if they didn't do it as much as they are right now. The other way that this wouldn't even be a topic is if you don't choke away a 20-point lead against the Cardinals by just doing nothing in the second half. And if you don't come out in the first half against the Titans, looking like you spent, you were out on Broadway till 3 a.m. I mean, growing pains can be expected with a new offense coming in and Derek Carr, just the way he learns a new offense. But if you were two and one and just hadn't choked away that game against the Cardinals and it started a little bit better to not fall in that huge hole against the Titans, we'd all be talking about, okay, yeah, they're, they're not they're not fully clicking, but they're two and one with a, a close loss to the Chargers. And we're not really worried because that's where we expected them to be. Yeah, it'd be the same deal as the Broncos right now. The Broncos offense has probably done worse than the Raiders offense. Russell Wilson's having a lot of trouble, but they're two and one because their defense has made plays and they run the ball at times and run the ball well at times. So I just think you're exactly right. I think it's just all about circumstance where uh, the offense will get the blame. And it's really as always is the case of the Raiders over the years, when they lose, it's not just on Derek Carr and the offense. There's also issues throughout the roster and the defense. I mean, there's no there's no pass rush. I mean, everyone's kind of, uh, we're focusing on the offense, which is rightfully so. I mean, the offense should be carrying this team. But the defense, you know, they got Max Crosby and they pay Channel Jones a lot of money. You heard about the depth up front. And they have two sacks on the year. They don't get any pressure. So you can't win. And the NFL like getting pressure on the quarterback. So if they don't get pressure on, on Russ this weekend, they're going to lose again. It's just, just no matter what Derek Carr and Devontae do. I mean, so again, like you said, I mean, the, uh, winning covers up everything. And right now, the Broncos are two and one, and the Raiders are zero and three. But the offensive problems are, are very similar on, on both teams. And when you're zero and three, you know, stuff starts coming out. Stories start getting written. Uh, there was a story from Aaron Wilson and Pro Football Network earlier this week that maybe referenced larger issues within the uh, the front office. You know, there's maybe some leaking about uh, concerns about the personnel. And I mean, like, listen, we all know that this Raiders roster is not perfect. Um, their offensive line could be better, although, as we've said, kind of the last couple of weeks, their offensive line probably has overachieved um, so far. Is there any reason to be concerned that three games in, we're already seeing stories come out where there's whispers about uh, issues with the personnel? And this roster is way more talented than the one that John Gruden took over, which we thought we thought was better than he thought. I mean, then we, we saw what happened there. I don't think any Raider fan is looking to see you know, or looking to hear that ah, the, the personnel is not good enough and uh, we're, we're going to have to do some rearranging here. Yeah, that's not valid when you consider the teams that they've gone against. Chargers are pretty good, but, you know, they, they were missing Keenan Allen in the second half and J.C. Jackson didn't play and then lose to a Cardinals team at home while having a three score lead against, you know, Arizona seems to suck. And then the Titans had just gotten like embarrassed and quit in the third quarter against the Bills and you lose to them, almost got blown out in the first half. So even if your personnel isn't great, like their opponents that they've, they've played you know, aren't great either. You know, I don't think the Raiders have like a like a loaded roster or anything like that, but it's definitely at least average to above average. So it's not like this is a bad team and currently they're the worst team in football. So yeah, that's, that's not really, really valid to me. You know, all three teams that they've lost to have not won any other game against anybody else. They're all winless against the rest of the league. So that's not a good sign. Um, as far as the Aaron Wilson report about, you know, and people, I mean, 
It didn't get a lot of traction, but I'm sure it's just the first kind of, you know, warning shot. I'm sure if they keep losing, you'll hear more and more from sources saying, you know, well, the personnel wasn't good enough. And, you know, we just wait till Josh and, and Ziegler get their guys and yada, yada, yada. That's just, I got a PhD in losing teams. That always happens. You start losing, you got to start pointing fingers. There's always a scapegoat. There's always someone who takes the blame. Always a new regime has to point to the old regime and the mistakes they made. Like, well, you know, look at the draft picks. They, 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 they were horrible draft picks in the game. I got nothing here. So that's just natural. Ideally, we don't get to that point quite now. It's kind of early in the season to start doing that dance. But um, uh, we might get there quicker than uh, than I think. But um, I think it's just natural. I just think that's what happens when teams lose. You got to start uh, finding a, a scapegoat and... Uh, the front office will say, well, it's not my fault. And the staff will say, it's not my fault. And the players will say, it's not my fault. So, But ideally, we're not we're not there quite yet. Yeah, I think it's pretty sad that, I mean, if it is, it's really a leak that's coming from uh, some people that are really high up there in the organization, that's pretty sad because the margin of error they're losing in, it's pretty small. I mean, they make a couple plays in each game. They might be 3-0. They might be 2-1. and and instead of focusing in on the issues on the team and trying to get better, you know, you're leaking stuff out. I mean, that doesn't seem pretty counterintuitive to me. But, um, yeah, I hope it's not from somebody that has, you know, real power in the organization because blaming others instead of just focusing and getting those few plays right. It's just not how you write the ship, in my opinion. All right. Well, in terms of starting to write the ship, injuries, uh, updates, we've got Andre James. Full participant at practice on Wednesday would look like he's going to be back. Now, I guess the question becomes, where does he play? Um, you know, do you put him back there at, at center and, and move Parham over to guard? Do you say, hey, Parham's our guy. We drafted him. He was our first draft pick of this regime. Uh, we like him at at center, and maybe you play. You try James out at guard. Um, but what what do we think? Uh, what do we kind of expect there? I mean, as we've seen, basically every week. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what they show you in practice. By the time they line up there uh, on game day, it's a different offensive line than we've seen so far. So uh, any thoughts on what's going to happen with uh, Andre James likely back? I don't think anybody has any idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Alex Barr found out he's starting like midweek. Yeah, <laughs> It's hard to say because we have no idea what their evaluation is of Andre James as a guard or as a tackle. I mean, we, we obviously, they're not in love with the guy in the center or else they would have drafted Parham, but um Depends on where they think you can fit in elsewhere. So in my mind, once you made this move and Parham's played two games, played pretty well for a rookie kind of coming in, learning all the adjustments and the signals you got to make. I think you rolled him. I think that's the guy you wanted. He's your guy. I mean, so I think don't mess that up and, and keep fixing the other spots around the line. But um, again, I have no idea what their thoughts are on James and other spots in the line. So it's kind of hard to say what they'll do. Simpson and Cotton played better than Bars and Illuminor at guard. I mean, I, I know Bars and Illuminor made some nice plays, some highlight plays where they were able to, you know, really make some nice run blocks. Uh, but they also made a ton of mental mistakes as well. So I, I don't know, is that the guard combo you want to go with and hope that those mental mistakes kind of just, you know, get better because they get more experience? Or do you go back to the other two guys that, played a you know, a better game with Parham out there and Mumford who looks like you know he might be at least might be able to solidify the right tackle position without being absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's a high bar that's a high bar you set there. And as a standard and absolutely terrible is below standard. Anything above that that's a, that's is, a high is good. Bar. Thumbs up. And that's just where we're we're at right now. So yeah, I don't know what they want to do with the um the line, but yeah, I, I guess we'll find out. 
Going back to the earlier discussion about, you know, Card, Adams, and the bracket coverage, I mean, part of the issue is the offensive line. I mean, because teams can get pressure with four guys. They can drop another guy back in coverage. So if you had a better offensive line force teams to rush five guys, that also would help. So I think that's also part of the issue as far as why the offense is not uh, doing as well as we thought it would. Yeah, the offensive line, though, like, honestly, like, I will say they, they haven't been as bad as I expected them to be. Like, I think they're, like, top 10 in, in, in a good way and like pressure rate allowed right now and like i said they're pretty good at run blocking too so like even though they've had three different starting o-lines and stuff like i don't know if i if i buy pushing it off on the o-line for the offensive struggles i put it more on on the play callers and and and, and Derek Carr's kind of unfamiliar in the system right now but you know a- answering the question I, I think i think they'll be better off if they they have both james and parham starting you know, because I think Parham really, whether he's at right guard or center, he's, he's looked pretty good so far. And so I don't think you would have any sort of drop off in his game if he went back to guard instead of playing center. And I think I would say James is a better interior lineman than Alex Bars or Jermaine Illuminor. You know, Ted, you're probably a better expert on that than me, but I think he's probably better than, than one of those two. I think James moving to center and Parham. Uh, moving to guard might be good short term. You know, you're probably getting your your best guys out there in the short term. But uh, like Vic said, you know, like Parham's played pretty good at center. So do you want to just keep him there because he's probably going to be your center of the future, or do you want to try to get the best short term result, which might be James at center and, and Parham at guard? One thing I'll say to Sean, kind of reference to you know the pressure rate stuff, and I think where this offensive line probably creates the biggest impact is you look in that opener. The times that Carr tried to go deep, you know, throwing those interceptions on underthrown balls, probably because he's, you know, he is feeling a little bit of pressure coming in. I think maybe that's why we're not seeing as much explosion out of this offense the last couple of games is because maybe they're not pressuring Carr, but maybe Carr is not feeling comfortable or McDaniels is not feeling comfortable calling plays that would require Carr to sit back there long enough to get Devontae Adams 15, 20 yards down the field, to get Waller 20 yards down the field. That's where I think we could be seeing, like, you know, they're not giving up that immediate pressure, but your quarterback and your play caller don't have the confidence in calling those longer developing plays that can help you get those shot plays, those explosive plays. Yeah, I do think something that they could do, I think with the Packers, with with Devontae, like a lot of his, you know, some of his splash plays would come with him, you know, catching a short pass and then turning it into a big game because he's a really good, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's really good at getting yards after the catch. And I'll write it in a game preview later this week. But, you know, I think the, the Packers like ran slants double the amount of times that the Raiders are doing so far and screens and crossing routes and drag routes like those aren't necessarily like explosive routes, but they can become explosive plays if you allow Devontae Adams to get on the move and, and make catches and, and make something happen after the catch. So I feel like a lot of their offense has been a lot of staticky routes where it's like catch and you're tackled or, you know, if they do have a big play, it's, you know, some, you know, somebody getting loose on a go route or something like that. But it's not a lot of motion in the passing offense right now. And that could be a way like if you don't think the offensive line can hold up for long. You give yourself a better chance of picking up, you know, bigger gains if, you know, instead of running a curl or a hitch route, you, you're letting guys get on the move on a slant or a crossing route or something of that nature. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move our attention now over to the Broncos in Sunday's game. Um, you know, Vic, you referenced it that you know the Broncos are two and one, and I mean, but after week one, even after week two, when they were one and one, a lot of national panic there about them. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, just looking completely out of place. The Russell Wilson offense has looked no better than what the Drew Lock offense was, or the Teddy Bridgewater offense was. Um, you know, they've not been able to move the ball. And I mean, the Sunday night game against the Niners, I mean, I think the Niners are going to, by the end of the season, you know, we're going to look at them as having one of the better defenses in the league, probably a top five unit. Um, but still, I mean, in the other couple of games, they have not looked good. But, you know, because their defense is a really good unit and has made enough plays to be able to to get win them a couple of games, they're able to sit there and say, okay, we're two and one. We're tied for first place. Thanks to the Chiefs losing to the Colts and the, the Chargers dealing with all these injuries and sitting at one and two. So how do we look at this game? I mean, uh, I don't think we have very high expectations for that Broncos offense, but um, does this come down to can the Raiders score 17 points against uh, the Broncos defense? I think it's more than that. I mean, last week, all the talk was about Derrick Henry being washed up and the Raiders kind of gave him a little uh, little jolt of life. And I think this might be the same with Russell Wilson this week. I think the lack of pass rush is a big thing. I mentioned that. And also, like last week, Henry was able to catch the ball and make some plays. And that could be a thing the Broncos look at. Well, they got Javante Williams and, and, and Melvin Gordon. They're both pretty good at that. So I think that'll be a key part of their game plan is to kind of attack the Raiders linebackers as far as making catches out of the backfield. So the thing about Russell Wilson is like, you know, the book in him the last few years was that he doesn't always hit his first read. He's not as great with his legs as he once was. And you can't see that. He's definitely, I mean, age gets everybody. But, um, it's a matter of keeping him in the pocket and trying to make him make some mistakes. So um, can the Raiders do that? I don't know. But um, definitely it's a big test for them this week. I think for the defense, the Raiders defense, the biggest concern right now has to be their cornerback group. Um, Nate Hobbs, you know, he he's in concussion protocol after taking a hit to the head late against the Titans. Um, and he hasn't practiced so far this week. 
you know, if he can't go, they're already ha- without Anthony Averitt on on IR, and so they could be starting, you know, Rocky Sin, who's who's nursing a knee injury right now, and and Sam Webb, an undrafted rookie at cornerback, and then Amik Robertson and Nickelback, and while the Broncos' offense hasn't been great, they do still have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, two pretty good receivers, and. Russell Wilson can still make some things happen. And so, you know, it's like you said, Vic, if they can't get a pass rush, particularly, like I think that's those are matchups that he's going to be able to exploit through the air. And so I still think it'll be a low scoring game. No, like I don't think the Broncos offense is suddenly going to look amazing going up against the Raiders. They are getting it does look like they're going to get Trayvon Merrick back for the first time since week one, as well as Denzel Perriman, um, both of them practicing full participants so far this week. You know, I, th- I think the biggest question is is the Raiders' offense. You know, because I think I do think this D- Denver defense is elite. You know, especially against against the pass. You know, Pat Sertan is really he's only in year two, but he looks like one of the, the better cor- cornerbacks in the league. And, and their pass rush has, has lived up to the billing so far uh, with Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. So anybody scoring points against the defense is going to be difficult. But especially if, with how this Raiders' offense has looked and how they've they've struggled to put it all together, there's going to be a big challenge. And uh, I don't think they'll have to score too many points, but um, they're going to have to be better than what they've been so far in order to get to where they need to. Defensively, for the Raiders, I think the, the game plan will be a little similar to the Titans. In you know they're going to load the box and try to stop the run first because you know that was the only way that they they moved the ball effectively against the Niners defense. And wh- one thing that was interesting that they did against the Titans was they moved Max Crosby inside. And you know just watching Crosby, you got to give him a lot of credit because he's. I'm so impressed when I watch him now. He, he's unblockable. Nobody could block him. And they move him inside to like play kind of that three tech or four tech in a, in a three four. And he was able to get in there and get, oh, cause some tackles for losses against Henry. You know, when they ran away from him, they, they were able to get to have some success. But like nobody could block him. They put a tight end on him and they, he just like shoves him on the ground like nothing. Uh, so he he's really developed into a, one of the best players in the league. He uh, he he could really do everything now. And run defense is not only is that no longer a weakness for him. He's uh, elite against a, uh, against a run now. So I think the pressure is a little bit better than I, I think you guys are giving them credit for. Uh, Crosby obviously is going to get in there if he gets a single block. He's getting a pressure almost instantly. And Chandler Jones is getting some pressure, but he doesn't have that many true pass rushing snaps when he's just going against a tackle and able to just go. You know, there, there's some things schematically that they, they do that's not really allowing him to rush. When he does have a one-on-one, he was getting some pressure, but they're they're also chipping a lot against Crosby and Chandler Jones, which slows down the pass rush, but kind of affects uh, how many guys they get out, get out in routes. So the pass rush kind of affects the offense that way. And offensively, I think this is a game where Devontae Adams will see more one-on-ones than he sees uh, usually because Patrick Sartain does follow number one receivers. So I, I think we're going to see an, um, a bunch of one-on-ones for those guys. To me, this might be a big Hunter Renfro game if he's if he's able to play because I think we're going to see Adams get one-on-one. We're going to see Waller get doubled. And whoever that third receiver is going to be, if it's Renfro, I think he should be able to have a big game against whoever he, he goes against, or this might be a game where Mac Hollins will have to step up. Yeah, Renfro, he didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, he's still under concussion protocol. We'll see if he's able to get back out there. Andre James returned to practice late last week, but he wasn't ultimately wasn't able to go. So it's kind of up in the air, hard to say. But, you know, going back to your point about the pass rush, I mean, you know, Max Crosby, like you said, he's been elite. I mean, he's top three in the league in both run stops in terms of tackles on design rushes and then 
pressures as well. But the issue is nobody else is really getting pressure. I mean, Chandler Jones things, I get it, but they also aren't getting any interior pressure, which was a big thing for them last year. I mean, with Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, but this group that they have now. To me, that's the biggest problem is the interior rush. There's there's nothing in the interior. Yeah, so it can't just be Max. Like He's been elite, but if you just have one elite guy and a bunch of guys that aren't doing anything, your pass rush isn't very good. So that's, that's really the... And I kind of wrote about that today. I profile on Frank Ocam, their defensive line coach, who more so focuses on the defensive tackles. I didn't, I don't think we knew that necessarily, but I was talking to one of their uh, pass rushers in the locker room and he kind of was like, oh, that's not my position coach. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess just doing defensive tackles. And that defensive tackle group, they, they signed Bilal Nichols to a pretty sizable deal. And, you know, he had a sack that was negated against the Cardinals, I believe. But outside of that, he hasn't really done too much. So they need to get some more heat from the inside and, and maybe that'll free free up Chandler Jones to be able to have more of an impact coming off the edge. All right, we ready to uh, to make some predictions here? Who's picking the Broncos? That's the that's the first. All right, I'll go first. I'll pick the Broncos. Oh, uh, 27-23. 27-23. I like the defense. Russell's cooking, baby. I thought you said he was lightly flambeed. That's over double yeah. their average, man. <laughs> like I said, last <laughs> week, man, Derek Henry came back to life. I think this week it's Russell Wilson. I think he's going to make some plays with his legs. Uh, the pressure, I think, uh, still concerns me. I think they, like I said, I think the running backs will have big games. Williams and Gordon catching balls. So I think Carr and Adams will be better. But uh, like you mentioned, Sertain's a great cornerback. They have a good defense, good pass rush. Uh, we'll see how much they blitz because the uh, blitzing usually does not work that well against Derek Carr. But uh, they do blitz a lot. So I think it's a close game. I think the Broncos um, at this point uh, just have a little too much offensively uh, against this Raiders defense. So I'm going 27-23 Broncos. Big Tay for believing in the Broncos offense, man. He loves Nathaniel Hackett. He, he, he's, he's got faith. I'm taking the Broncos, too. Oh, um, man. Wow. I mean, this team's 0-3, man. Prove it to me oh. before I'm going to pick you again. Come I'm on. I'm just saying, like, 0-4, the season is cooked, man. I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was asking uh, Aaron Reese, one of our editors, and the only team that's ever made the playoffs at the start in 0-4, at least since the merger, is the 92 Chargers. So it hasn't happened in 30 years. So it probably won't happen this year. So basically saying they're cooked, right? Like if, if Vic and Jimmy. Once you start 0-3 in, in the way you're playing, like I, I'll lose faith in you. And um, Vic referenced Russell Wilson. I think he late in that Niners game, you know, kind of when the, the Broncos were able to go on that touchdown drive and, and need some plays, like you said, he he did start using the legs a little bit more. And, and you kind of started to see a little bit more of that, that Russell Wilson magic, uh, even though it like, I mean, he was so – that offense was so bad. They were getting booed uh, most of that game. I think they had like nine three and outs. I don't have them scoring 27 points, but uh, I'll go 20 to 17. Um, Raiders offense still uh, still struggles to get into the into the deep 20s. Uh, so 2017 Broncos. I'm going to go Raiders 23-17 because, you know, I, I think – there are there are so many ways that you can game plan against Russell Wilson that I, I think a lot of the league knows now, especially making him flush flush to the left, and there's also sort of things that you could do just to kind of uh, disrupt what he wants to do. And I, I think Patrick Graham's going to be able to figure that out and kind of limit him. And just watching this offense, they're so close. Like there's so many opportunities downfield, and I I think maybe this is a week where they hit some of those opportunities. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Raiders one more time. I'm going to let them burn me one more time before I, I, I go to Jimmy route. Yeah, I'm going to go Raiders 20, Broncos 17. I, I don't have a great reason for the 0-3 team, like I, I'll be honest. But They're too good to start 0-4. Is that, that your, your, your basic uh Basically, logic? it's like you're at home. The Broncos offense has sucked. 
Like Nathaniel Hackett is looked inept in terms of making decisions as a head coach. Like he's already he's got a guy though. Hey, he's got hey, a guy. He hired a guy. He hired a guy. I think Mike Sando wrote this week. He has like zero games of experience when he was hired or some shit like that in terms of like managing games. Like fuck out of here. Like I, I I just think the Broncos like have some. I think they're like I said. I think their defense is about the only thing they have going for them. And I think the Raiders. You know, as as Ted said, like if the Broncos do give Devontae Adams some more single coverage, I think he gets going, has a big game. I think they finally run the ball. I, I, I probably said that last week, but I think they, they finally actually do it this week and have a little bit more balance offensively. And Daniel Carlson wins it on a field goal at the end of the fourth quarter. At first, I gave Daniel Hackett credit for hiring a guy because I was like, oh, you know, he recognizes weakness and he hired a guy. But it turns out the guy was just hired because he's his friend, <laughs> doesn't have much experience. And he convinced Hackett not to go for a fourth and inches in, I think, in the Niners red zone. So I'm like, OK, that's a bad guy to hire. It worked out though, right? The original guy that he had had no experience, but the new guy he has has experience. Oh, okay. He convinced him to not go for a fourth and in inches when he should have. So I, they I don't won. know about that guy. They, won. they got the ball back, right? They got the ball back in one. So that actually worked, right? That 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 call. No, I mean, didn't it work? Eh, I guess, but I I, I, I like aggression. <laughs> Was that the one where they we pinned him back and got the safety? Maybe uh, it could have been. I don't remember exactly, but I, I was thinking like, damn, they should just go for it, and win this game. But whatever. Maybe Joshua Dale should hire a guy. We should have talked about this uh, Tyler Columbus thread, man. Oh, Jesus, Christ. did y'all see that? Oh yeah, I saw that. Did you see it? No. Uh, he's a former Broncos offensive lineman. Uh, he was there when Josh McDaniels was there. He said. In honor of Raiders Reek, he had like this thread with like his favorite Josh McDaniel story. And he said after they traded Jay Cutler, he's like, guys, don't worry about the quarterback. I can make a high school quarterback an all pro. (laughs) 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 And it is like (laughs) Chase Garbers, baby. Chase Garbers is gonna be the man in a couple years. No one's debating that McDaniels in Denver was a you know a garbage bin fire. I mean Josh admits that. Everything went wrong. He says he's learned from that, he's a better person, but obviously that was a horrible a horrible sequence, which we, you know, Mark Davis deemed wasn't important when he hired him. So, but yeah, it was definitely everything that could have gone wrong went wrong with him in Denver. So, um, I mean, one one reader today asked me how come I didn't mention the the revenge game angle for McDaniel's this week. I'm like, I'm not sure who was revenge for is it for him or for the <laughs> for the Broncos. I mean, he screwed them up pretty good. So, I'm not sure which side gets the revenge game angle this week. Yeah, when you suck at your job and you get fired, like. <laughs> How's that revenge? I mean, like, are we gonna are we gonna talk revenge when the when the Raiders take on uh, Dennis Allen? Yeah, there's no there's no revenge game. Like, I, I think if I think being on three should be enough motivation for this for them this game. I think McDaniel's asked about revenge or you know some kind of question like that, and he you know blew it off. But I mean, this is their season is over if they lose. I mean, it's, it's already hanging on by a thread. But if they lose this one, this is over. So I think that's enough motivation for him going against his old team. All right, before we get out of here, Vic, tell us what's going on on Saturday night. Saturday afternoon uh, in Vegas. We used to do these uh, these tweet apps, and you know, with COVID hit, we kind of stopped doing them. But they're kind of fun. People come out, you know, subscribers and readers come out, and we kind of hang out and uh, have some beers, talk about the Raiders, and uh, all kinds of stuff. We had some nice ones in London and Pittsburgh, and some back in Oakland. And this will be at uh, at Tailgate Social, which is a kind of a cool sports bar at the Palace Station. We're gonna do it at four o'clock on Saturday. This one should uh, be. Uh, a nice note for Raider fans. Uh, if you wear Raiders and gear, for Deshaun. and for Deshaun. Deshaun. if you wear Raiders gear, you get a free beer, so that will get the party going. But it uh, should be fun. We've always had fun in the past with these things and kind of getting to know some of our, our readers, saying thanks for following and just kind of uh, you know, talking about the team a little up close and personal. So it uh, should be fun. Four o'clock Saturday at uh, Tailgate Social. Come hang out with Vic. Uh, 
Tashan will be just just enjoying every beer that they have there. He he, he can't get enough. He'll he's he's gonna have like three different Raider shirts and disguises so he can keep changing and coming back and and getting another yeah, free yeah. beer. So uh, Tashan's yeah. fired. Yeah, up. last time we went there, they offered us like us a, what's it called a beer tower or some shit like that. No was, beer tower. Yeah. Tashan almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like the fuck do I want that for? I can, I can do a lot of things in my life. I'm not sure a beer tower by myself is the way to Why go. Why not? But, you uh, love it. How many ounces of uh, beer tower? I didn't even ask. It's huge. I've done like the half yard at Yard House. That's only like, it, it looks big, but it's like, it's hard to drink it, but it's only like 20. If they offer me a Woodford whiskey tower, I would gladly take it. And I don't care if you drink any of it. Like it's, yeah. No one's offering you a Woodford whiskey tower. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this, uh, this part of the episode is devolved enough. So we'll get out of here and uh, we'll be back on Sunday after the Raiders take on the Denver Broncos and see if their season is still alive. Let Derek cook. I don't know, man. We'll see. All right. Later, guys.